Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting with verse 18. I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun, for all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, as we uh, open your word this morning, I pray that it, it speaks to us in new ways. Lord, that as, as we read these words, that we will find that, that true life is found in you. And Lord, our, our, our theme is, is definitely a, a theme in which we're directing our thoughts toward you. Lord, an understanding in our hearts that apart from you, we will never find meaning in this life. So Lord, we we pray that you would speak to our heart, Lord, that you would send us from this place, a church on fire for you, in your most holy name, amen. You guys, you guys are reading through that, and you see <laughs> some of the points, you're just kind of like, man, this guy is down, he's down, he's down, and, and honestly, as we've discussed in the past few weeks, this is a, this is a, this is a theme in which this guy is, is definitely, um, he's looking at it from a perspective as if there is no hope in this life. He's, he's gone through and he's done all these things. And, and, and as you're going through chapter 2, and I, I, I didn't want to read through all of these because I didn't want you to get too depressed this morning. Um, I want you to be a little uplifted. But as you're reading through chapter 2 there, starting in verse 1 and so forth down through there, he talks about everything that he's done. How many of you guys, uh, at the end of payday, you just kind of feel like, what was the point in that? You get, you get your paycheck and then where does it go? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. But you see what I'm saying, that we, we toil throughout our life. We do things. And, and he's taking like a broad scope look at his life. He's, he's kind of looking back over the decades as to everything that he's done. And when you're looking through there, you know, he mentions things like, you know, he, he said, I said in my heart there in verse 1, come down, I will test you with pleasure and enjoy yourself. How many of us have ever worked really hard to go on vacation 
or maybe to, to own something that's nice. How long does that last? Just a, a time, right? I mean, vacations are nice. And guys, by the way, if you can vacation or, or get away, go take a hike, go you know, do something that, that brings fulfillment to you, you should do it. But I think the point, he's not saying don't enjoy this life, okay? I want everybody to remember this. I think we are to enjoy our lives. But he's saying if, if I was to base all my happiness on, on that time of pleasure that I had in my life, that pleasure is, is short-lived. It doesn't last very long. That, that he's looking at these vacations or whatever it is that he may have done in his life, and he's, he's like, what happened? He says, but this is all vanity. The, the, the stuff of this world is vanity. The things that you may acquire in this world, it's just vanity. You know, it's, it's, it's a... It's a truth to this world that we often forget. Because even right now, a lot of us, we're thinking about lunch. Don't think about it too much. We do have a business meeting here in a little bit. So. But you may be thinking about something coming up in the future, a trip, or, or maybe you're saving up for something. You've been working hard to, to, to purchase something, and, and you think, if I can only have this, then I'm going to be happy. That may be your thoughts this morning. And again, I, I don't want us to think that our work is, you know, whatever it is, is pointless. But honestly, it really is because stuff that is in this world, the stuff that is in this world doesn't last very long. The pleasure of this world, the things that he does. And, you know, he talks about this, that, you know, he, 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 he worked, he searched hard. And he said uh, there in verse 3, he says, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. And I know you're Baptists, and we, don't, we get really uncomfortable when we talk about wine. But, but here you got a guy who's, who's, who's really talking about something that's, that's even more than wine. He's not just talking about alcohol here. He's talking about things that bring us joy. He's talking about the things of this world that, that can bring us joy. He says, I worked really hard for this, but in, in the end, it's just vanity, right? And if you go back to chapter 1 and chapter 2, you know, it's that, that phrase that we continue to see over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, vanity of vanities it's the it's the pointlessness of pointlessness that even that that wine that brings joy to the soul he says it's it's pointless he talks about building houses and vineyards for himself yeah if, if you ever we haven't got to the point where we've built our own place you know we're looking at that and that's something we're, we're kind of contemplating Joni and I and we're preparing for which, by the way, send help. She's cleaning every closet in the house, and that's all I'm spending my ever waking moment doing right now. It's kind of nice, though. But the thing is, is that even when you build something that's, that you've worked hard for, it's, it's vanity in the end, isn't it? You build a house, and then what do you got to do? You got you to fix it. You build a house, and then you got to make a mortgage payment. You, you build a house, and something breaks. Have you ever done plumbing before? You know, I had a plumbing uh, issue a couple months ago, and it turned into like a whole blah. <laughs> you know, okay, now not only do you got to fix this, now you got to fix this and fix this, and it's just, a, it's on and on. And uh, this idea of vanity of vanities, I mean, it really, it, it does speak to me that, that the stuff of this world, it really is pointless. And, and it's not a negativity that you're looking at life with. It's not like, man, this life is pointless. I, I, he gets into it here in a minute, and we'll make the point. But the thing is, is you can work your entire life for the greatest of things, and in the end of your life, it's going to be pointless. 
He even mentions that he talks about, you know, that he kind of, and he knew, by the way, his successor as king was an idiot. (laughs) His successor, who was to take everything that he had worked hard for, really did spoil it. He's writing this from a perspective. He knew who was going to be taking his spot. He knew what was going to come when he died. And so you can kind of, you think about that for a moment. I mean, how many of us are a little bit uncomfortable maybe leaving things to other people that we've worked hard for? It's hard, it's hard to let go sometimes. Pastors have to learn to sometimes just let other people do stuff, you know? Not, not, that, not that anybody here is an idiot, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. But you see what I'm saying? It, it, the, the very point of the matter is, is that, you know, what we work hard for may just be ruined by someone else. I, I wonder how the forefathers of our nation would feel about how we're handling things right now. I think they'd be a little bit disappointed. They'd be a little bit sad about all the work that they went through, the, the Revolutionary War. You know, you've got the, you know, the George Washingtons and people like that who, who fought hard battles to find liberty for the people that lived in America at the time. And now here we have people that, you know, it, it, it's, we're getting upset about whether to wear a mask or not. It's kind of silly, isn't it? I think if, if George Washington could see us today, he'd probably slap us upside our head and say, you people just get along. You're, you're Americans, right? But the problem is, is that as Americans, we're not basing anything on anything but vanity. That's it. it it's, if we can get this person elected or if we can have this bill passed, then everything will be good. I even have good brothers and sisters in Christ who think if we can legislate this or legislate that, then America will be good again. It won't. The only thing that will save America is Jesus. The only, the only hope that we have in this world today is Christ. You're looking through this, this picture is definitely, it's it's. it's it's poignant in the fact that he's saying it's all vanity. I, he, he built vineyards. He built homes. He, he, he cheered himself up with wine. He was the leader of a great nation. He, he treasured up things like silver and gold. The treasure, he says, of kings and of provinces. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have a lot of expensive stuff in your life. I, I really I don't have a ton of things. I've got a few things that are sentimental to me or things that, you know, may have some value to. But, but this guy, I mean, he literally was a king. He had, a, he had king's things. You may be really proud of your, of, your, of your gun or you may be very proud of your guitar or maybe you're really proud of your vehicles or your house or your land or whatever it is. But understand, this, this, is, this is a man who's acquired the status of a king. He has a king's treasure at his disposal and he's still not happy he has the gold the jewels the the palaces one thing that we know about solomon too is he had a whole lot of wives right vanity it's all vanity he he says uh, there in verse nine if you're looking down through there he says i became great and i surpassed all who were before me in jerusalem his wisdom was what it was great. Some people would argue that he wasn't too wise because he had so many wives. It's possible. That, that'd be really complicated. You men could agree to this, right? Women don't get mad at us for agreeing to this. It would be really hard to have 300 wives or whatever. You know, it would be tough. 
is it really that wise? But, but even in that time frame, you know, that was a sign of, of power. That was a sign of, I made it. And at the end of the day, he says, I, it's just vanity. It's just vanity. He talks about living wisely. You know, we, we can be the wisest person in the land. We can have all the knowledge that, that you can imagine. We, we can know the answer when people ask us questions. We can, we can be the, peop- the person that someone goes to. You know, there's people in this audience that if I've got a question about a certain thing, maybe it's, maybe it's tractors, it's cars, you know, or, you know, I come to you guys because it's like you have the answer right there. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, working with kids or, or whatever. I can come to you because you have the answer. And we can be that person. We can be the wisest person in the land. But apart from God, it's all vanity. When, when your time ends on this world, that, that knowledge goes too. And it points us to the fact of who God is. They, does God's wisdom ever stop? Does God's blessing, does it ever stop? Does God's knowledge and salvation, does it ever stop? It does not. And so our hope is in him. This, this writer, he observes that all he had done, all that he had found, all that he had acquired, it was all vanity. And so we read this today, and I know that you kind of, you, some of you are saying, well, this, we're, we're continuing this theme, and we're talking about it week in and week out. I believe this is important as we go forward, as as the church of God, or as we go forward as individuals today, to understand, get this in your heart, to understand that you could acquire everything that there is in this world, but if God is not your king, then it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. And the writer here, he's, he's reminding us of this in three chapters, in two chapters, as we've read through this. The lack of hope, as you're reading through this, do you guys, would you guys consider this guy who has no hope in life? Lack of hope does something to us. I see it daily in, in, in the work that I'm doing as, as a case manager. I, I see it daily. that Where there's a lack of hope, where, where people have lost hope in anything in this world, that lack of hope leads to despair. You will never see anyone who's lost hope and now they're happy. Woohoo! I have no hope. This is great. You won't find that. That where there's a lack of hope, despair is now the king. This guy has despair. He, he can't even look forward to the future. As a man who's accomplished so much, as a man who's had all of this at his disposal, and he's thinking about the end of his life, now he's saying, well, it's all going to go to nothing because the guy who's coming after me is not going to do well with it. He's very negative. His lack of hope has led now to despair. And I, and I, I want to ask the question, how many of you today want to live in despair? Do you want to walk around like you're just, you know, you're in this, this crisis mode all the time? How many of us want to live that way? And what I see when I look at this world, I see a world that is in crisis mode all the time. And the reason is because there's no hope. So where does that leave us as the church? Where does that leave you as an individual? If there's no hope in this world, what is your job? I've, I've been... Um, uh, tasked <laughs> with doing some, some jail ministry. I call it ministry, but for the sake of the matter, it's, it's jail case management, okay? Uh, we're doing a program where we're going actually into the, 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 the local county jails, and we're trying to help people not to go to prison once they get out of jail, right? There's this whole 
there's a cycle that people get into. I think we're all familiar with it. For a lot of us, we think of people that are you know, addicted to substances or, you know, they're been in and out of jail. We think, well, they're worthless. They're not worthless, by the way. Uh, the reason I'm excited to be a part of this program is because um, I see, and I try to see, because of what God's done for me, that there's hope for everyone. But what I see is I go into these pods, and there'll be, you know, seven guys, you know, and I mean, they're rough, right? You guys understand, when that, when that guard locks you in a pod with seven felons, it's a little different. You got to admit, it's, it, there's, you know, they got the tattoos. I, I really didn't even realize that the Irish mob was so big in Oklahoma. This one guy says, are you Irish? And I was like, yeah. I'm not joining your gang, man, <laughs> right? I'll celebrate St. Patty's Day with you, but I'm not joining your gang. He laughed. I think it was a laugh. I'm not sure. Anyways, but the thing is, is that I go into these pods with these guys, and they're hopeless, right? And so as I go in there, I'm trying to offer them hope. Now, this is, of course, like, you know, sociological type stuff. I'm trying to help them to, hey, when you get out of here, you can defeat your addictions. You can defeat the crowds that you used to run with. You can defeat this urge maybe to, to be a criminal or whatever. You can, you can do better with your life. Some of them I'm just getting to know. Some of them I can't wait to share the gospel with. <laughs> Don't tell my bosses. But as, but as I'm in there and I'm, I'm ministering to these guys, as I'm, I'm just hanging out and fellowshipping with these guys, the, the overall thing that you see with them is that a lot of times they just don't have hope. Now some of them have a hope. I'm going to get out. I'm going to do better, right? I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to end up here again. I'm going to go be there for my kids. I'm going to go be there for my community. I'm going to be there for my mom or whatever. And and, and hope, if it is absent, they're just in complete despair. Some of them that you meet with, they're just like, you know what? When I get out of here, I'm, I'll probably commit a crime. I'll probably fail in, in my sobriety, and I'll end up in prison. They'll literally just be that point blank with you. And one of the guys I work with, he, he's, he's, he was there, and now, you know, he's, he's overcame. He's overcoming his addictions. And one of the things he says is that when he was in that same situation, he really thought in his mind the only choices he had, he had two choices when he ended up in like a county jail. One, he would either go back and get high, or two, he would go to prison. That was his life. Now tell me that's a hopeless life. It is. That's all he had to look forward to in this world. But church, you see what I'm saying. As the church of God, we do have hope. That overcomes even things like this. And, and I understand a lot of you will never be in a, in a county jail. Some of you may never deal with addiction. You may never have these types of things. But if there is a lack of hope, you will live a life full of despair. Verse 20, when you're reading through that, it's like this, this, this idea, this antithesis of the New Testament message of redemption. It's the exact opposite of what the New Testament teaches us. It's not the message of Jesus on the cross dying for all people. Verse 20, he, he says, So I turned about and I gave up my heart to despair. Church, do not give your heart up to despair. If you ever get to that point, you, you need to look up to where your salvation is. It's in Jesus. But this man, he gave his heart up to despair. He's done. He's wiped out. And I have no doubt that there's many of you who at times, and maybe even right now, you've kind of given your heart up to despair. Anxiety, depression, things of that nature are running rampant in our society because people are living without hope. And as a church, we need to be living in hope because we have it. 
And if you don't have hope today, if you never trusted Christ, you can. You can have hope. I think a, a, a negativity that sometimes happens within the church is we are so hopeful we forget to see that there are people who are without hope. You know, you guys, this past Wednesday, man, I'm so glad that y'all had that meeting and I wasn't here. <laughs> but as I heard people talking, and I got phone calls from people and they were kind of telling me how it went. It's kind of exciting, right? There's some changes that we're going to be doing with our children's ministry. And it's not that the other wasn't working or the other was terrible. But it's just what, what I saw is that you guys come together and y'all loved on each other. And we're just going to continue through. And the reason is because we have hope. These children need that message of hope. Maybe we need to adjust who we are. <laughs> we need to, to change our attitudes or, or do it in a way in which we're a little more hopeful too, right? So that we can portray hope to them. As a pastor, man, there's times that I've just, I come to church and I'm tired, I'm this. I mean, this morning my voice, you know, I sound like, you know, something. I don't know what I sound like this morning. Don't say. But yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with this throat thing and it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to preach anyways because I have hope. You as Christians, you need to, to walk in hope. People need to hear that, that message of hope. This guy had given up on hope. He said he had turned his heart over to despair. Because to him, everything was just vanity. Everything was just a striving after the wind. It's pointless. So with the question I, I think that he asked in this writing, and I, I want you guys... Maybe write this down or, or at least notate it, this question I think that we all need to be asking today. There's a question we all need to ask. And, and I, I want you to, before I ask the question, I want you to, to listen to me. If you are going through despair, if you're going through a time of trial right now, I want you to understand that God can use this to grow you. Does everybody hear that this morning? If you deal with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation you deal with these types of things i want you to understand that even in this moment god can use that to bring him glory there's been times in my life when i was just wiped out i was done i was solomon vanity what's the point but in those dark times we see hope shining and so the question we all need to ask is Why does this concern us? Why does this pointlessness in life, why does it concern us? Everybody, everybody hear that question, okay? Ask it. Why does it bother us that we sometimes have a problem with hope? We sometimes have a problem with despair. Why does this concern us? Why is it troubling? Why, why can't we just be depressed and be happy with depression? You see what I'm saying? Why can we not look at this world and say, everything is pointless, that's just the way it is, and so let's go on. Why, why can't this make sense to the human mind, to the human psyche? Why can't this make sense to us that, that things are just rough and things are broken? Why can't we just look at it and say, you know what, it's okay, it's broken. Why can't we say that? And the reason is, is because we were created to have purpose. Let me say that again. The reason that depression bothers us, the reason that, that vanity bothers us is because we were created to worship a God who has purpose. That's why it bothers us. 
If you've ever been depressed, if you've ever had a, a time in which you were down, the reason that it bothered you is because you're not created for that. You're not created to live in that, to, to thrive in that. We were created to, to live a life of peace. We were created to live a life in which God is, is giving glory. The answer to all of our problems is in the truth that we are designed to find peace in God. Does everybody hear that? I know some of y'all hear that and you're like, yeah, I know, peace in God. No, hear me out. You were designed, intelligently designed by God who loves us to find peace to find purpose in Him. You're never going to find it in a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job, a perfect church, <laughs> a perfect pastor, a perfect denomination, a perfect country, a perfect world. You'll never find it here. Your peace is only going to be found in Jesus. I know a lot of people. You know them too. They do this thing, they like to hop churches. Have you ever, you ever known anybody that did that? Every time the, the going gets rough, the judgmental get going, right? They go down the street. Man, as a pastor, sometimes I'm just like, I, I can have a lot of reactions to this when this happens in the church, right? I, I did see a quote this week. It says, you know what, when someone decides to go somewhere else, just let it go because honestly, uh, they sit in a club, for one, you know, if they're going to another church, well, praise God, they're going to another church at least, right? But the human side of me, I'm like, man, you know, that's just kind of like, a, man, after everything we've been through, you know, as a pastor, you invest, you, you love, and then, okay, I'm not going to get off on that today. But I got to look at the problem here, right? If someone leaves your fellowship, if someone leaves your group of friends, if someone leaves um, maybe even your family, it's because they've lost hope. And so as a believer, I don't need to be hateful or arrogant or rude. I need to be hopeful. And I've seen this time and time again. Because people, when they lose hope, they start jumping. They may jump jobs, right? You ever worked with someone who just was always every couple years, they like, change jobs? It's because they lose hope. Someone who jumps relationships. They go from one marriage to the next, right? It's a, it's a lack of hope in their life that leads them to that type of life. They become a person who likes to exit instead of fight. Exit instead of persevere. And so when we're looking at this church, man, I know it's, it's the same. You're like, man, you preach this for two weeks. I know. It's, it's important. Because the thing is, is, we live in a hopeless world. If we're basing everything that we live on, whether we're feeling hopeful in the moment, and we're trying to base our hope on what this world is giving us, we're going to fail every time. You must be a people who turn to Christ consistently. Is that what we're doing right now? Listening to a preacher, reading the Word of God, worshiping through music. This is important for the believer because this is what we have. Everything else is vanity. Everything else is a chasing after the wind. When you look at verses 24 through 25, it gives us this picture that the, of his heart. 
And I know as negative as we can be against Solomon right now because he keeps saying that phrase, vanity of vanities, and he's like, what's the point in life? It's all pointless. And you get to verse 24 through 25. He says a verse I think that we don't need to skip over very, very easily, okay? Verse 24. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Now, the world says that, doesn't don't they? And I think when we read that verse, we kind of think, well, let's eat, drink, and be merry, right? That's a, that's, a, that's a careless type of life. No, listen to his heart here. Understand, Solomon is he, he's the prodigy of a man by the name of David, right? He grew up under David. David, the great psalmist. David, the great, the great man of God who, who, yeah, he wasn't perfect, but man, he had a heart after God, right? His heart was, was, was a, had been shaped by a God who was caring. And he always wrote about a God who you could have hope in. And in, even in this despair, Solomon writes that we should probably just have a good attitude about life in general. He's not just saying party it up because you may die tonight. Because he goes on with that thought. Yeah, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy what you've done. But look at verse, as he goes on there, he says, this also, he says, I, I saw, it, it's from the hand of God. The ability to enjoy life is from where? It's from God. It's not from work. Basically, I think he says that even in this despair, even in this vanity, we need to find our hope in God. Because our ability to enjoy life is from God. Friday night, uh, I, I got to go uh, First Baptist, uh, Daniel from First Baptist Stigler, uh, Jeff from Main Street Baptist and Stigler, <laughs> two Baptist churches in Stigler, they're great friends, they, they do ministry, right? And then Daniel from First Baptist Porum, we, we, we got together and we had a dinner. Some of you are like, uh-oh. <laughs> I wasn't in business, we didn't talk, you know, transition team for the association, which we're all on that that thing, but we got together and we just fellowshiped. We got together and we, we just gloried in the fact that, hey, through all the stress that we deal with as pastors, let's just let's just eat, let's drink tea, okay? I, I splurged and I had sweet tea, I'll be honest with you. Let's just enjoy what God's blessed us with. Let's enjoy the fact that God has chosen us to, to do ministry. I, I use that example because I, I think that, honestly, we need to have that time. You know, Trampus and Burke, man, last, lunch last week was awesome with you guys. You know, it was, it was great. We need to enjoy this life. We need to have that mentality that even though this world only lends us vanity, we can still enjoy it anyways because we have hope in God. You guys see the, the message of hope here? I don't even know when he wrote this if he even understood what he was writing. Because he says that enjoyment in this life is only from the hand of God himself. Verse 25, he says, For apart from him, who can eat? <laughs> or who can have enjoyment? Apart from God, who can have any enjoyment in life? 
even in his despair, he, I think this is the great thing with writing. If you're a journal writer, you sh- it's great because you, I think a lot of times you, your, your thoughts are written out there. As a pastor, sometimes when I'm preaching, I may be in my office. If you come up here and you hear, like, talking, I may be preaching my sermon while I'm sitting there. I try to just keep that in the car so no one's thinking I'm too crazy unless they're passing me or driving by me or something. I mean, how's that guy talking to himself? He's crazy. Well, I am crazy. But the thing is, is that a lot of times we just need to get our thoughts out in the open. We need to hear ourselves say it. As he wrote this, I, I have no doubt he probably come back and he's like, hopeless, 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 hopeless. Oh, our hope is only in God. Our ability to enjoy life is only in God. You guys hearing that message today? Yeah, Daniel, I heard it. Okay, hear it. Apply it. Apply it because he ends up this whole writing. I know he kind of goes back to this depressed mode here, but he says that everything is vanity. It's just striving after the wind. But guys, I'll tell you something. If you see God, it's never striving after the wind. If you see God, it's never vanity. How many of you, I think this is probably true for most of us, when we come to church, aren't we glad that we came, that we're here? It may be hard to get up and get around. I, I get that. You that are going to be working with the, the poor FEC kids, there's going to be weeks, you know it, you're going to be like, I don't know, I'm just not feeling it tonight. I'd rather just stay home and fix me a, a bowl of ramen noodles. I know, that's hopeless too. But I'm going to fix me a bowl of ramen noodles. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch Survivor. You know what I mean? I, I deal with that sometimes. But you show up and some kid blesses you. You show up and some other volunteer blesses you. You show up and you get to see Daniel and you're like, man, that's worth it right there, right? Well, not for the next three weeks because I'm doing glass blowing classes. But you see what I'm saying? That our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Him. So if we're not hopeless, then that maybe means we need to, to look to our hope. Spurgeon says this. There's a quote I, I had. A, I was reading a, through some of his works this week. But Spurgeon, uh, Josh makes fun of me. He says, you always quote Spurgeon. I was like, yeah, I know. I like the guy. When Spurgeon's talking about hope. He says, hope itself is like a star. It's not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity. And only to be discovered in the night of adversity. You ever tried to look at a star during the daytime? It's not impossible. It's hard, right? Honestly, it's kind of overcome by that really big star called the sun. It's hard to see stars. Yeah, sometimes you can see them, right? But the great stars, they're discovered at night, are, are, are explorers, the people that were really the first ones to look into the night sky, right? Native Americans who looked into the night sky and they, they created these stories about what the stars meant. Or, you know, that the first scientists who were looking into the sky with telescopes and they were figuring out that these stars are here, here, and here at certain times of the year. And it's almost like they're moving, you know. They, they came up with all these, these thoughts. They named the stars. They, they looked at the stars. All of this exploration happened in the darkest of nights. I want to tell you something. You may be feeling that your depression, your anxiety, your darkness, your hopelessness that you're going through right now is a bad thing. I want to tell you, no, it's not. It's a good thing. Because it's in those dark times that we're able to see the light. 
that we're able to see the hope that is in Christ Jesus. The hard times you're going through right now, God can use it to bring him glory. God can use it to heal you. I've gone through some dark times in my life. Some, you know, thoughts cross your mind that you just can't imagine. And it's like, where did this come from? But then in those dark times, I'm like Solomon. Sometimes I would write. Sometimes I would speak things. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not hopeless. I just need to trust God because my hope is in him. My hope is in him. Spurgeon was a, was a man who was, who was plagued with, with anxiety and depression. When I read this, I don't just see this as a preacher just being a preacher, just writing something that people can relate to. This was coming from his heart as well. Probably written when he was dealing with depression. Spurgeon would actually be so depressed sometimes that he couldn't even get up to preach. And here he writes this, that, that this, this idea of hope, it is like a star. It's a shining light. It's a beacon. And we often see the value in it when we're going through the darkest of nights. So if I ask this question, everyone here is going to probably be able to answer it, but who is our hope? Our hope is Jesus. Amen. Our hope is in Christ. What does Jesus say about this world? Well, look here in Matthew chapter 6. I'll wrap it up this morning. Y'all ready for a business meeting? Yes, we are. Hey, we got some cool stuff to talk about today. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is writing to his disciples. If you're reading through there, he's talking about, you know, prayer. A little bit before here, he's talking about how to pray. He's giving us, like, how to live our lives. And when he gets to how we should approach this world, look at what Jesus says. If you don't hear anything else today, hear what Jesus says about hope. Hear what Jesus says about the way we view this world. Matthew 6, verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. We're moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Does everybody hear that? I don't think Jesus is saying don't save money, don't have a savings account. That's not what he's saying. Don't put your heart here. Because he goes on to verse 20. Look at verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in, everybody say it, heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in. And still, your treasure is not in the things of this world. Your hope is not in the things of this world. We, we, we can have some cool stuff, but, you know, man, I've, I've had some nice stuff, and, and rust destroys it, right? Moths destroy it. You ever had somebody steal something from you? That's a terrible feeling. It's, it's like a, a violation of, of who you are. Someone broke in and stole this from me. You ever look at your paycheck and you're like, the government is stealing from you, <laughs> right? Hey, maybe we're about to have a, a holiday, right, with the, with the tax thing. That'd be kind of cool. But you're looking at this, guys, and what we see is that in this world, that's kind of what we are offered. If you, how many of you have a pair of clothes that are like 40 years old? Some of you are like, ah, I do. You're, a, you're an awesome person. You believe in mothballs and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and washing correctly, right? But honestly, our clothes, they don't last that long. The, the, the things in this world that can have so much meaning, they don't last that long. We've got a television right now that we've had since like 2007. A flat screen. Now, when I say flat screen, it was like flat like this, right? So, I mean, this is before everything's like, now it's like a piece of paper you just hang on the wall. 
everything, the technology's ex- expounded so much, but we have that television. But I keep, say, I keep coming home and hoping that it's dead, right? Because I'm ready to buy a new TV. I'm like, man, I'm ready for like a, maybe one of those curved screens or, you know, like the, the 15 HDK, you know, whatever, runs on a nuclear power plant and like you can see China with it or something. Yeah, I want something really cool like that. But, but the thing is, is that uh, it, it will one day die. It will end. I'm glad my hope's not in that because if that's the case, I'm just waiting for my hope to go away. But our hope is in the Lord. And we don't need to be putting our treasure in the things of this world. We need to be putting our treasure in God. Hope is a light in the night. If you're going through the darkness now, just know that God's there with you. Understand that Solomon, as he wrote this, his life ended in a great way. He ended as a as a believer in God, as a son of God. And based on what he's written, based on his story, we know that we will see Solomon again. Because today he is with his God. We, uh, I think it happens to us a lot. Um, we kind of forget the preciousness of life until someone dies. You ever been there? You just forget how how life is precious. I I know sometimes even like on the fire department or something, we'll get called to a car wreck and we're rushing and there's about a million other things that any of the guys on the fire department could be doing. We're mowing grass. We're, <laughs> we're fighting plumbing issues. Uh, you know, Jampus asked me to go do something the other night and I was like, well, if you want me to stay married, I better go home. <laughs> you know I mean? We all have these things that are going on, right? Closet cleaning or whatever it is that we got going on in our houses. And, but I'll, I'll, I'll never... I'll never get over this, is that when you show up and someone's passed away, that's hard, because you're reminded, man, this world, this world's rough. It's just momentary, it's fleeting, it's, it's vanity. And our only hope is to love God. And church, can I, don't, don't get down right now, okay? Everybody, can I hold your head up a little bit? Yeah, look at that, I see heads going up. Enjoy life. <laughs> don't be that Christian that walks around all sour all the time. Man. Now don't go to a business meeting like, man, a business meeting. God's blessed our church, hasn't he? You guys have an amazing pastor. Our monies are good. You know, we, we, can, we can take a rough situation and just iron it out like in 30 minutes on a Wednesday night. That's, that's a blessing our church has been blessed with. But more than that, I want you guys to understand something. We have a God who's, who's abundantly faithful to us. And what the world needs to see from you as the church are a people of hope. Put your smiles on. Not a fake smile. Be legit in your smiling. Be happy. I go to work some mornings and I don't feel so happy. But the other day, I, one of my coworkers, she was like, God, she kind of like, just like like growled at me almost, you know. I'm like, what? So I come in, and I'm usually like, good morning, you know. I'm just like, I'm like over the top sometimes. I get it. I'm usually just excited because I'm about to get a cup of coffee. It's not because I'm seeing these people, by the way. It's like I know that as soon as I walk up the second story and you follow, and I'm walking to my office, and on the way I hit the Keurig so it starts warming up so I can come back and I can put me a f- cup of coffee. I'm excited about coffee, and I'm like, good morning. And they're like, why are you so happy? Guys, I'm not happy, but I'm hopeful. Because I have a God who's real. 
It may annoy people sometimes, I suppose. But we are called to be consistent in our faith because God has been consistent to us. And if you're consistent in following Him, people are going to be changed. People are going to be changed. This world is full of vanity, but we have a God who's redeeming it all. Today, may we trust in Him. Our Lord, we love You. <laughs> we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. God, as we look at this, we, we see a, a man writing from despair in Ecclesiastes 2, but we also see a man who, in his writing, he, he gives credence to You, Lord. He, he gives... He gives honor to you and that he says that, yeah, this is all vanity and, that, and I just need to be happy. I need to have a good outlook because I can have a good outlook because you're a good and gracious guy. And so, Lord, today I ask that we would see hope. In these darkest of nights, may we see hope that is within you. God, there be anyone who's here today or is listening to this somewhere, Father. May your Holy Spirit draw them to know you. We know that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we can be saved. And Lord, I pray that you would lead people to you. Thank you for have, having the, the love for us to send Christ to the cross so that we can have hope today in your most holy name. Amen.